You know you are capable of more because you have a burning desire to get the absolute most out of life. To starve your fears, to follow your dreams, and to realize your true potential. And we are going to do that together. This is The Andy Stort Show. Let's go. Welcome to The Andy Stort Show. This is a show where we can come together to starve our fears, to follow our dreams, and of course, pursue fulfilling our true potential. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm so excited that you're joining me today for an interview with my friend Brad Barrett. And Brad went from being a full-time CPA to retiring with complete financial independence by the age of 35 through diligent savings and investing. He's now the co-host and co-founder of Choose FI, a huge podcast out there all about financial independence, and he's empowering others to reach for a life of purpose, intention, and ultimately happiness through the journey to financial independence. Brad, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Andy. I'm super excited to be here. This should be fun. Yeah, it's an honor to have you on. Uh, your podcast uh, has been, how long, how long have you been doing it now? Yeah, it's about two and a half years. Yeah, we started basically January 1st, 2017. Okay, so you started a little bit after I started podcasting, actually around the same time, about two and a half okay. years. And uh, I mean, yours has just skyrocketed. It's been huge. And it's, it amazes me everywhere I go, it's not just like, I'm very involved in entrepreneurship, personal development communities. I talk to people about financial independence, things like that. But you know, I do a lot of corporate work. Um, people I would never expect uh, when I bring up or I'm running a workshop somewhere that's happened to me recently in Houston, I was facilitating a workshop. I said, oh yeah, I host a couple couple podcasts and two different people came up to me and go, oh, do you listen to Choose FI? Like everybody knows this podcast. It's wow. huge everywhere. So how did this come about? Like where did this all come from? Yeah, that is, that is amazing and humbling to hear. Yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been quite a journey. It really has been. Uh, my co-host Jonathan and I, we both live in Richmond, Virginia. We actually, so I was kind of big into the travel rewards world, like using credit card rewards to travel, yeah. travel for free or nearly free. And Jonathan heard me on another podcast and he's like, oh, this guy Brad is in Richmond. He's into financial independence and he's into travel rewards. So he actually just reached out to me and we had had coffee, had lunch and just kind of got started with this. He pitched me on this idea. He still says like, I don't know why you said yes. I was just this random dude off the street. But like, <laughs> yeah. you know, if you've ever heard Jonathan on our podcast, you know, he's got excitement for days and yep. He, yep. he just pitched me on the idea and I, and I loved it. And, you know, frankly, like we started just like anybody else. We started with two listeners, like our moms yep. basically. Right. And right. uh we haven't really hit any home runs. It's not like we got featured in the New York Times or anything like that. It's just been slow, steady growth. I mean, it's been word of mouth growth. And I think yeah. one, one thing that's really helped us significantly is we brought the community into it from almost day one. We realized that while we, we know our stuff, right, and we can certainly talk about it, there were limits to our knowledge and, and that was going to be pretty apparent pretty quickly, right? So the beautiful part about the internet, about our modern day is you can crowdsource things. People want to be involved. They crave it, right? They crave that connection. Yep. And if you can bring them in, then it is a rising tide lifts all boats, right? Yep. You have tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people who are writing us with their little life hack or their money saving tip. Mm. I mean, if you have 10,000 people writing you an email with a tip, you're going to get the best of the best, right? Yeah. It's not just 
what random Brad Barrett and Jonathan Mendonca are going to do in Richmond, Virginia. Like nobody right. cares about that at the end of the day, right? It's right. how do you make the best possible information and spread it as far and as wide as you can? Yeah. I mean, you're like the conduit, basically, the, the facilitator of all this information to, to whittle it down. And, and that community has been going on in the, the travel hacking world, if you will, point world for a long time. And uh, I'm a long time con- traveling consultant, so I definitely want to get into that. Oh, nice. But um, going back to the word of mouth, I, I see how it's grown through that. And of course, I discovered you through some friends, um, I think maybe first through my, my good friend, Nick Elkins, but yeah. uh, you also had my friend and mentor, Vincent Pugliese, on the show early on, who wrote the book, um, Freelance to Freedom, um, which, by the way, you'd be interested to know that, because I know you had him on and talked about that book, that I first had him on before that book was published uh, when I was launching my podcast a couple, two and a half years ago. And that was the first time I really talked to him. And uh, basically, he said he was going to join, he was going to start a mastermind group. I said, if you started, I'm in and helped him start his community. And we've been really good friends ever since. And that's, oh, that's the kind of thing what podcasting can do in bringing people together. You never know who you're going to meet. Um, yeah. if, you, if you didn't have it, you might, might never have those conversations. Yeah, it's a, it is amazing. And it's, it's a small world. I mean, I think in this day and age, even with this digital connectedness, we all crave that, that personal relationship, right? And it's funny because I met Nick down in FinCon and yep. Orlando, and he was like the guy that stuck out to me. It's just wow, he's just an awesome guy. Like, mm-hmm. I want to be friends with Nick. And, you know, Vincent, same thing. Like, he'll go to the ends of the earth to help you. And, and we find that with, with Chooseify now. Like, one of the kind of inflection points for our community was when we truly made it a community. We've created, I think now we have over 200 Chooseify local groups throughout the world. Wow. So, I mean, if you go to any of these 200 cities in, I think, 25 plus countries, Mm-hmm. You can join a Chooseify local group with in real life meetups, with connections, with, hey, do you want to share this lawnmower with me or, you know, something silly yeah. like that, right? Like, I mean, it's a community of people who are living this slightly unconventional life, this mm-hmm. life of financial independence, but doing it with this community. And it just makes it so much easier. I know when I was starting, I was the weird guy saving money, right? Yeah. And, and I think like we're, like we're talking about, people are craving that connection and it doesn't feel so weird anymore and that's what's cool to see this movement which is what financial independence is becoming a movement right spread across the globe right okay so let's talk about that for people that are not familiar with this uh you know i know i have some listeners who probably listen to your podcast and and in the community and well ingrained in it and maybe even working on their own goals of financial independence and many more that are still uh you know traditionally working thinking they're going to retire at 65 never heard of this idea of Fire, uh, you know, is it fire, financial independence, retire early, right? So tell me about what this is and what that movement is and what people are doing and, and why they're doing it. Sure. Well, that is, that is a big question, certainly. But yeah, yeah I, will, I will do my best. So yeah, so the acronym, yeah, FIRE, financial independence, retire early. We at Chooseify focus on the FI. We feel that the financial independence is ultimately what we want and what most yeah. people are looking for. The retire early, I mean, frankly, the FIRE acronym is kind of cute, right? Yeah. So like, that's, yeah. why, that's why it has legs. But retire early has such negative connotations to me. It's not about, it's not about running away from something. Yeah. It's about running towards something. It's about running towards a life that lights you up, right? Like you get, what do we get? Any eight, nine, maybe 10 decades on this planet if we're lucky. Yeah. Yeah, really lucky. We both talked about how we've got 40 coming up real soon. And yeah, I mean, we've got kids and we want to make the most of that time. Yeah, you absolutely do. And, 
and to spend that on what we call affectionately, or maybe not so much the hamster wheel, which is working 40 to 60 plus hour weeks. Even if you have a nice job, even if you make six figures, most people are spending all that money to maybe make themselves feel better that they're working all the time, right? So you might have a fancy car, you might have a fancy McMansion, but man, if you're not seeing your family or you're not spending time doing what you want in life, that, that's just not a trade-off that I'm willing to make. So yeah. I think for me, financial independence is, is finding what you value in life and spending aggressively on those things, but not wasting money frivolously on things that just impress your friends for a couple seconds, but keep you ultimately chained to a job and maybe a life that doesn't light you up. So yeah. you know, for me, it's like I created a framework of a life that just simply didn't cost that much. You know, my wife and I are both CPAs. So, I mean, you know, we, we lived on Long Island, New York. We could have been quote unquote successful, right? Like, you know, we had a pretty good upside earnings potential, but we just, we didn't want to be stuck in that life of 60 plus hour weeks forever. It just wasn't, wasn't what we wanted out of life. So we decided shortly after we got married to move down to Richmond, Virginia. So that wound up cutting our housing costs by way more than half, right? And now that's a decision we made. The cool thing about financial independence is there's no dogma. There's no, you have to move to a low cost of living area. You have to sell your car. You have, you know, there's none of that nonsense. It's just, you're living a life. And in order to get to some point where you have financial freedom, where you have financial runway or independence, whatever we want to call it, you have to have a savings rate, right? That's pretty clear. You have to spend less than you earn. So if you're currently in debt or are just spending everything, you've got to make some changes. We call them, you know, levers. You have to, there are hundreds of levers you can pull, but you have to take action. You have to choose some of them. So for us, moving was the obvious one. We also drive old cars. We don't value driving around in BMWs, even though I could buy anyone that I want in cash, you know, five seconds from now. That's not something I value. So I drive a 15-year-old car that frankly doesn't look that great. You know, I'm not yep. too, you know, I'm not embarrassed by it, but it's, it's not fantastic, but it gets me from point A to point B. And we don't spend a ton of money on, on food, not because we don't like food or we want to eat beans and rice all day. It's because my wife genuinely loves to cook and she also loves this game of, of life, which is this financial independence pursuit for us. It's how do you kind of win at life by being just a little bit smarter, maybe than the next guy, so Laura cooks gourmet home-cooked meals, and we are usually coming in between $2 and $3 per person per meal, which is crazy, right? When you consider the thousands of dollars sometimes people spend going yeah. out to eat in a month, yeah. right? Like, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I know I'm, I'm going on here, so if you want to jump in, feel free. But Well, uh, these are all the different, there's all different places, and I, I think the point is, you know, at the end of the day, if you're trying to improve, if you're trying to get to financial independence, or you're just trying to improve your financial situation, you've got to make sure you spend less than you earn, right? You want to get out of debt usually as, as quick as possible. Although I think that's a, another, I, what I love about your show is that you talk about all these different things and debate these different things. I remember early on, you talked about the, um, you know, the debt snowball and, and you know, the, you know, the traditional methods of yeah, you know, yeah. debt is terrible to can you actually leverage debt on your way to financial independence? And everybody is different. I mean, to your point, um, I got on this bandwagon after I met Vincent and read his book, Freelance to Freedom, and I was like, I gotta get out of debt. <clears throat> and we sold our car, 
our nicer car and paid off our student loans and got out of consumer debt. And we now drive a, a 12 year old van. Uh, so I'm all about that. But I also have an expensive gym membership and that's important to me. And I'm not going to, uh, you know, I'm not going to compromise that because I like to go to the gym every day and other people might that. compromise in different areas. No, I, I absolutely love that. And, and that's kind of what I was talking about with the framework mm-hmm. of a life for me. And again, there's no dogma here. There's no, there's no, you have to do X, Y, and Z. It's, it just, it isn't like that. It's decide what works for your life. I'm the same as you. I go to CrossFit and fitness is really important to me. That's not cheap. Right. There are probably no. some people who say like, why is that guy spending $150 a month? On right. a you can work at a home for free. Yeah. Right. But I love it. So yeah. who cares? I would right. spend, like, that's a no brainer decision for me. But again, it's making that decision with some intentionality. I think that's a crucial piece. So many people just kind of sleepwalk through life because they don't know this other option is out there. They don't yeah. know that if you save 50% of your income, right, which sounds like a ludicrous number, you can potentially retire in 15 years. Like that's not impossible. It's just, it's almost an inevitability of the math. And you know, that's, that's probably outside the scope of, of this podcast, obviously, yeah. but, but it, it, just knowing that there's some certainty, we like to say, control what you can control, yeah. right? And I can control my yearly expenses. That's yeah. something I can control. And we talk about financial independence being when you have roughly 25 times your expenses, your yearly expenses saved up in your net worth, you're at financial independence. Now, again, we can kind of argue at the margins, but man, Andy, doesn't that feel good to know there's some certainty as opposed to, oh, I could never retire. Like, think of all the things you hear people lament. Oh, I need $10 million to retire. Oh, I could never retire. There's so much uncertainty. Don't you know about healthcare and all this, you know, other nonsense, right? Like, there's some validity to obviously costs, you know, healthcare is social security can be here. Yeah. I get that. But man, if you know your yearly expenses, which you can control, mm-hmm. you can be pretty darn certain that if you have 25 times that saved up, you're at a point of financial independence. So if your yeah. yearly expenses are 60 grand, you need $1.5 million in your net worth. Now, 1.5 sounds like a big number to a yeah. you know, 22 year old kid just coming out of college, but you know, if you save diligently for 15, 20 years and that, that money compounds, that's not so impossible. I've seen it happen in my own life, right? And it's just cool knowing, again, knowing that there's some certainty. For me, I've found with all the, you know, hundreds and thousands of emails we've gotten, that certainty is one of the biggest psychological benefits of pursuing financial independence. Yeah, uh, that's amazing. And I, I think it's important for people to hear that and especially that, you know, hey, you you reach financial independence by the age of 35, which is just so unusual and really cool, but it's not because you were, um, you know, running some multi-million dollar business or something like that. I mean, you and your wife are CPA. So you talk to me a little bit about, you know, what's the gist of your story. You mentioned moving from Long Island to Virginia and I, I know how that can save a lot of money. I personally, my wife and I lived in California for a long time. When my daughter was born, we moved back to Florida, which has no state income tax and much cheaper housing. Um, we saved a lot of money that way. Um, so you made that move and then you must have been you know, very diligent about controlling your expenses so you could save a lot of your income along the way. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's a, a pretty good summary, actually. But uh, we never have felt like we're depriving ourselves. I think that's an important point. Is when, and, and I will certainly go into my story here. But, but I think this is important because the psychology the psychology is everything in life. Like the actual numbers of financial independence, that, kind, that stuff's easy. But, but just 
getting the psychology down. Like if I felt like I was depriving myself, like I was going on a diet or something, or this was a short-term thing, like I think that's inevitable that it's going to fail. I, that's just, that's how I've seen people kind of go through life. Mm-hmm. Whereas my wife and I don't feel like we're depriving ourselves at all. We feel like we're rolling in abundance, honestly. Like, I don't know how my friends spend all their money. Like, I really, I really genuinely <laughs> don't. Like, I'm not trying to be a jerk when I say that. Like, I genuinely don't because we don't want for anything. Hmm. And I mean, my kids are in expensive uh, swim, swim programs, year-round swim programs. We spend thousands of dollars on, like I said, where I, I've joined CrossFit. Like, we, we live in an upscale suburban area of Richmond. Like, we are not depriving ourselves, but we've set up this framework that just it doesn't cost nearly as much as it could really. So yeah, I mean, just to give you a quick background on, on my own story. So yeah, my wife and I, we got married in, I think 2005, I should know, I should know this, but uh, yeah, 2005. And we actually moved down to Richmond in early 20, yeah, 2006. And what was cool was we had actually planned this. This was way before we knew anything about financial independence. We somehow or another were both on the same page that we didn't want our lives to look like that hamster wheel. It just wasn't what we wanted. And, and to have that presence of mind, like I, I kind of pat my own self on the back, that 25-year-old self like on the back because I don't know where we had that presence of mind, frankly. But uh, we knew that Laura would want to stay home with our future kids someday. It was, it was hypothetical future kids at that point. But it wasn't easy to leave home by any means. It, you know, we were leaving our family and our friends, but we knew that it was to set up a better life. It was to set up a life where we could afford to live just on my income and still save a significant amount of money. So yeah, I mean, we basically just stockpiled money while the two of us were working. And after my daughter was born in 2008, we, Laura did stay home. And what was cool was she was able to basically be a CPA for just the tax busy season from February to April. My mom and her mom came down to babysit and all this stuff. And, you know, Laura was a CPA for two months of the year really covered a good portion of her yearly expenses, which was awesome, and was a stay-at-home mom the other 10, 10 months, nine and a half months. And, you know, that was a cool little workaround for that. So, you know, that, I mean, really, I wish there was some fancy story to this. Like, I mean, honestly, <laughs> I, I don't wish this because it's replicable. That's the beautiful thing. Like, I didn't, I didn't right. read some app. I didn't sell an IPO. Like I, I didn't hit the lottery. Nothing. This was right. just. What you did was normal and repeatable. It's that you weren't digging a hole in your backyard and discovered something one day and then. No, no oil or anything like that. Right. No, I mean, this is, it's just a matter of saving diligently over an intermediate term, right? Like I wouldn't call 13 years like a long term. That was, that right. was, think about how quickly a decade goes by, right? Like yeah. we just were diligent and smart about this for a 13 year working career. And we got to the point where we're, you know, at financial independence. And then, you know, obviously I've started some internet businesses since then, but, but really the story is just diligent savings over, over a period of time. Well, yeah. But, but that's, it's still very unique. It's, it's 25 to 30% of how long people normally work, you know, four decades in order to hopefully save for retirement. Some people still don't ever get there uh, to save enough for retirement. Now you talked about, your wife and I getting on, on board from day one on this and the plan you had before you even really aware of this idea of financial independence. Um, I think as I've been out there talking to people about this idea, uh, one of the biggest challenges is um, getting alignment in a marriage, right? If, if one person is all about this idea and the spouse, man, you know, husband or wife is not as much on board, 
Um, were there, you make it sound like this was very easy for you. Were there challenges? And what do you normally recommend to people that like, hey, I need to try to get my, my spouse on board because I want to really pursue this? Yeah, no, this is a brilliant question. And, and this really gets to the heart of, of living a good life, right? Like yeah. if, you, if you have one spouse who's gung-ho about something and the other isn't, that's probably not going to be a recipe for long-term success. And yeah, yeah, I mean, right. Like it, you just, you can't start there. You can't start there in, in a healthy relationship. So, you know, my own situation, I'm very fortunate. My wife is naturally frugal. She's probably more frugal than I am, honestly. And this was, was pretty easy for us. So I don't hold myself up as the paragon of virtue or anything insane like that. Like I get very lucky. Laura is amazing. So, but what we've seen in our community is, you have to find where the other person is coming from. I think when you try, when, when one, one of the pair come ho comes home and says, oh my God, I found this amazing thing. I'm going to quit my job in five years. The other person, a lot of, a lot of like defense mechanisms come, come into play there, right? And I mean, there's security is huge for people. It's alignment, right? It's being on the same page and just understanding that why are you doing this? Like, oh, I, I listened to Choose a Fi or I read Mr. Money Mustache and now we're changing our whole lives. Like, that's yep. not good enough, right? Like right. that, it just isn't. Right. It's, you have to understand what is that person looking for in their life, right? Like they might be your spouse or significant other, but like you guys might never have talked about each other's childhoods of yeah. what did money mean to you? Like for many yeah. people, it's a security thing and they saw issues with their own parents mm -hmm. that, Maybe they haven't ever resolved psychologically, right? So under, just getting an understanding of like what each of you want out of your lives. Like what would this mean? What would this mean for you if we, again, not deprived ourselves because that, that is so crucial. Like it can't be deprivation. But yeah. if, we, if we pursued this path, if we didn't buy a new car every two years or upgrade to the next bigger McMansion, like yeah. what could it actually mean for you? What it could mean is you live a life that you actually want. Yeah. Eight to 10 years from now, right? Like that dream job that you always wanted to take because it meant something to you, but maybe it only earned 30 grand. Mm -hmm. You could take that now, you know, like yeah. volunteering, travel, spending time with your family, mm -hmm. pursuing new hobbies, like all these things you can actually do if you take this period of time and are really intentional about your life. Yeah. And like, I'm not, I am Believe me, I'm not about giving up a decade of your life just to have a better life down it, the road. But it like, takes some sacrifice considering what's the norm in society. Yes. That, you know, according to the norm. Yeah. Right. According to the norm or what you may be surrounded with, if you have friends around you who are buying a new car every four or five years and you're driving a 15 year old car and people are kind of going, ooh, that Brad, you know, I wonder if he's doing all right. He's always driving this old car. Like you have to be willing to own that and be cool with that. Because you're, and, and the way a lot of people get through things like that, I talk to people about this stuff too, is you've got to keep your eye on the vision. You've got to know why you're doing it. And if you don't have a clear why, you're going to give in along the way and you're going to go get that new car. Yeah. No, I think you hit it spot on. Yeah. It's for us, it really is, it, it's brought us closer together because it feels like, and I said this before, but it feels like we're playing a game, like this game of life that we're just doing a little bit better. And like, yeah. you know, I hate to sound like, like egotistical about it, but like, we're always looking for ways to kind of win. Like it's, it's the gamification. You're competitive. We get it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I am a recovering type A personality, but yeah. 
uh, but certainly I, I've come a long way in that journey, which is cool. But like, but it is fun, man. It's, it's fun to live the same middle or upper middle class life as everybody else and do it while you're saving 30, 50, 60% of your income. Yeah. That, that feels good. That's cool. That's cool. And, and, you know, the alignment I think is so important. And you mentioned, you know, having that goal and kind of making it like a game. And I know we've already mentioned um, our mutual friend, Nick Elkins, a couple of times. I want to give a plug for him because he does some financial coaching. I know he's really good at this. I've talked to him about it, working with clients. You know, if one person wants something, you've got to have that conversation with the other spouse and talk about what's our shared vision. What's our shared goal? We want to buy a house. We want to, um, you know, fully fund college. We want to be able to travel more whatever. Okay, let's make a plan. And here's how we need, you know, the things we're going to need to do and things we're going to need to sacrifice uh, to get there. Otherwise, it's never going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds exactly. You talked about playing a game, you know, this like game of life. I want to get into the travel hacking stuff a little bit because you spent a lot of time doing that. And that's almost a little bit counterculture to the traditional financial independence view, the Dave Ramsey view of get out of debt, right? And credit cards are bad. And in the travel hacking world, you know, it's not, it's not unusual to have 15 credit cards, right? <laughs> because you're taking out cards all the time and getting the points. And, and I've been a traveling consultant going back to 2011 and playing some of those games and reading some of the points blogs, uh, but never feeling I had a, like a full grasp of it. Uh, but still, like, I definitely enjoyed a lot of the benefits. Uh, what, are, what were some of, like, how did you get into that? And yeah. what were some of the big, um, I don't know, wins or things that you, that you did in your life because you were so big on travel hacking? Cool. Yeah, this has been a, a big part of my life. I, I, I always find I, I'm like kind of a weirdo here. I don't love the travel hacking term. I call it like maximizing travel rewards, but okay. you know, uh, that's just, just my own little hang up. But yep. uh, I got into it probably about five years ago, I want to say, when my kids... Uh, so actually, no, that's not true. It was probably six years ago. Uh, J.D. Roth, uh, who writes the blog Get Rich Slowly, it's like the original personal finance blog. He was someone who I loved. And he talked about this like British Airways credit card that had a 100,000 point bonus. And I was like, same, same as what you were just saying. Like, it sounds kind of crazy when you first hear about it. Like, yeah. oh, sign up for this card and get this big bonus. Like, there has to be some catch. And yeah. I really trusted J.D. And I wound up signing up for this card, got this 100,000 point bonus, and was able to kind of figure out how I could use these British Airways miles. Because that, like, what are you going to do with British Airways? in Richmond, Virginia, yeah. Yeah, right. Like, it makes no sense. But I was able to do some research and find, that, and this is what lit me up. So this was, this was the inception point, that you could use those BA miles on their partner, American Airlines, and at that time, US Airways, in the US. And so again, I'm from, I live in Richmond, I'm from New York. So we flew New York to Richmond. I think we got, I kid you not, this, this sweet spot doesn't exist anymore, but it, or it exists to a slightly lesser degree. We got 11 round trip flights, no joke, <laughs> 11 round trip flights valued at like $4,400 from those 100,000 points. Wow. So I mean, that was the best thing ever, right? Like it was just yeah. so cool. And that just really ignited my passion for this. And then I wound up putting together on my original website, richmondsavers.com. And we still have this actually. It's a, a plan to go to Walt Disney World in Florida. I know for you living in Florida, it's not too, uh, not too fantastic. But for the rest of us, it's like, and oh, still, our... we never, and we never go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, my kids desperately wanted to go. It was like when Frozen first came out and, mm. and the girls just really wanted to go, but it was going to cost like 4,000 bucks. And I wound up putting together this plan where it only costs us $150. So no joke, we saved, you know, 3,800 plus. 
just by being smart. And again, it's almost similar to financial independence. It's just, it's planning, it's being smart, and it's understanding the rules of the game. So that was really all we did. We opened up very targeted credit cards and we did everything right. We paid them off on time and in full every single month. Every single month, we got these big sign-up bonuses and we were able to turn that into this amazing trip to Disney World and you know, stayed on site in the hotel and got the park tickets for free, flights. It was, I mean, dude, it was, it was awesome. So uh, you know, since then, we've taken trips to uh, Scotland and England for like a month and we got our flights free and some of the hotel nights. And my wife and I, we went to Bermuda and stayed in this like killer thousand dollar a night suite for free at the Fairmont. So, you know, we've, I, we've done a lot. I could, I could keep going obviously, but um, yeah, I mean, it's just, again, it's, it's opening up very specific credit cards and earning these bonuses and yeah, turning that into travel basically. Yeah. How many credit cards do you think you've opened at this point? Oh goodness. I don't know. I, I have, in fairness, it, it has become a lot more difficult to, to do this. So, yeah. I mean, back, well, as I dropped my, uh, my earphones, sorry. Back years ago, we, we probably opened easily 30 of them, I would say. But uh, like I said, it's gotten dramatically harder recently. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, there's still a lot of opportunity for, for people to do this. Yeah, it's funny when things like that open up and it spreads throughout the like consulting and travel yeah. obsessive community when like the last one was that Chase Sapphire rewards card or whatever it was. Yeah. And I got one, I got my bonus and got out and, and you know, it was great. I transferred all over to United Miles, which I think we used for a vacation. Um, so what you said, it's getting a little bit harder with the, the credit cards these days, but there's still probably a lot of opportunities out there. What are, what would you say are like the top three tips you would give right now to people that want to really start to take advantage of this and get more travel rewards? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I guess in terms of cards, so you just mentioned the Chase Sapphire Reserve that had a hundred thousand point bonus mm -hmm. a couple of years ago. Yep. Uh, but those ultimate rewards points, I love those points. So I would recommend that people get started with either Chase Ultimate Rewards Points or Amex Membership Rewards Points. Those are probably the, the two most flexible of all the currencies. I, I like the option of like Chase, to your point, you just said you, you sent them all to United. So these are Chase bank points in essence, but yeah. they have a bunch of transfer partners. So I use them for Hyatt hotels all the time. We use them for Southwest. British Airways, as I mentioned before, is another transfer partner. And United, those are my, my favorites. Uh, Amex has an equally impressive list of transfer partners. So I would say if you're going to get started, try something like that, like those broadly flexible points that you can transfer to a bunch and and they become those miles and points so they like right. like you know you had a hundred thousand plus united miles sitting in your right. mileage plus account so it's important to understand that conceptually i also like cards like the capital one venture or the uh, capital one spark miles card those are uh those points are very very flexible in that you can use them to pay for travel with your credit card and then just kind of wipe off the expense off your credit card account. Hmm. So they're, ultra, again, ultra flexible, almost by definition, because yeah. anything that codes as travel for, that you use to pay for with that card, you mm -hmm. can wipe out with those points and miles. So uh, I, I think those are probably the, the best ways to get started. We actually just created a free course on uh, yeah. choosefi.com. Uh, so it's, yeah, just choosefi.com slash travel. And yeah, we have a free course that people can walk through. And yeah, just kind of hold your hand to get started. And then from there, it's onward and upward. I mean, there's like, to your point, there's a huge community of people 
you know, in Flyer Talk and the Points Guy and Million yeah. Mile Secrets and all these sites that, uh, that are writing 10, 20 articles a day about this. So you can yeah. go as deep or as shallow as you want, but man, you really, if you're smart with your credit cards, if you have good credit card habits, you can earn some significant savings. Yeah, it's true. And you can rack up those, those miles or points and then use them for all kinds of things. You see people using them for great trips. We've taken a lot of great trips using, I mean, I flew United, United a lot for years, <clears throat> which is why I transferred those points over. And I think we were always using the miles uh, until we had our first child. And then we weren't using them as much anymore after we moved back to Florida. And at one point, I think I had like 400 or 500,000 United miles in the bank, but we've, we've slowly started to use those. And now I'm all Southwest Airlines and, and used the credit card uh, last year to get the companion pass, which I've already used four times this year, which has been a really cool perk that I discovered this year as well. Nice. Yeah, that's like the holy grail of travel rewards, the companion pass. That's cool. Yeah, which most airlines don't get you. So how do you, when you were getting into that, you're going back to the, the first thing I said, how do you respond to, you know, the traditional view in the FI community of, hey, we shun credit cards, we need to get out of debt and low expenses as much as possible. And now here you are opening all these credit cards. Did you get pushback yeah. from that? No, well, so... I would just make a, a slight distinction there. And, and you said before the, the Dave Ramsey camp. So right. I, and I highly respect what Dave Ramsey does. I think he's helping tens, of mon- tens upon tens of millions of people. But you know, where he's coming from with personal finance is different from the financial independence community. I think people kind of graduate from Dave Ramsey and, move, and when they're looking for more, they find five. But uh, Dave Ramsey is clearly, obviously, very anti-credit card. I think yeah. we're... I mean, no two ways about that. But uh, people in the FI community are looking, again, as, as life as this kind of, how do I optimize? And for me, we have used our credit cards every single month for every purchase we possibly could, even well, well, well before we knew about this. So for us, it's always been a tool that we've used to our benefit, right? You essentially, you don't have to lug cash around all the time. You get basically a 30-day interest-free loan. Like you can track your spending so much easier. Like I, I love credit cards, but as long as I pay it off on time and in full every single month. And I think that that is the crucial yep. piece. I cannot repeat that often enough. Do not listen to a word I'm saying unless you pay them off on time and in full every single month. Yeah. But if you do that, well, this is a financial tool that can be very lucrative for you. Right. And we all kind of know we get one or maybe 2% rewards. And, you know, I was always happy with that. And then I found these signup bonuses and realized, okay, there's some potential here to, to really maximize this a little bit more. What's the, um, I, I know for, and for anybody listening, hopefully people are <clears throat> knowledgeable enough to know that, yeah, you have to pay off your credit card every month. If you don't, that's when you get into that really high interest. And then you start getting into a cycle of debt and it's like impossible, I think, to, to get out of it. They put you on those minimum payments and you're paying credit card debt forever. Uh, one of the debates I hear a lot, and I know you just did a recent episode about this on 2ZFI, is when you're making extra money and you've paid off your consumer debt, do you start to really throw money and pay off your mortgage or do you invest it in um, something that's, say, a, quote, higher return? Uh, you know, and I have an MBA, that crowd always, I came from the school of, hey, you invest in something that gives you a higher return and you keep the low interest mortgage. And then obviously the Dave Ramsey no debt crowd would say, you got to get rid of that mortgage as fast as possible. You do not want debt. So I know it's very debatable out there. And you guys did an episode on this recently. Where do you fall on that? Yeah. Yeah. If you could see me now to those listening to the podcast, I've got a big <laughs> you look smile uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> no, because honestly, I struggle with this. 
I really genuinely do. I, cause I see both sides and I, it's funny. I, it, maybe it's some cognitive dissonance or something, but like, man, I go back and forth because I, I think mathematically it's very hard to argue that paying off your mortgage is the best decision. It's especially if we're talking a 20, 30 year period of time, investing that money that you're going to pay extra in broad based, low cost index funds, you're almost certainly going to do better than paying off your mortgage. That said, like we talked about before, man, psychology is everything. Yes. It's just everything in life. Like yep. it's easy to say the math is the math, but if you don't get people to get their brain straight, like you're fighting a losing battle. So if someone came to me and said like, it is going to make me sleep better at night to pay this thing off and I'm going to cut a check for 200 grand tomorrow. I say, do it, laugh gleefully all the way to the bank and just be thrilled, right? So like, I get that decision from the core of my being. And honestly, Andy, like I even had this, I had this conversation with myself about an hour ago. Like <laughs> I've got some extra money sitting in my checking account. Like, yeah. do I pay some down on my mortgage? And like, I go back and forth. It's like, on the one hand, I'm getting ready to click to transfer it to Vanguard to put in some index funds. Yeah. Or the other hand, I can just press another button and put it to my mortgage. Like, I struggle with this. And, and I, I think that's fine. I think it's healthy to think through these things. Again, it's, it's not going through life on autopilot, right? Like, right. you got to think these things through. And, and yeah. I don't know, wh where do you come down on this, actually, since I, you said I've that? Been, I've been thinking about it a lot. And, you know, since you say, you know, do I, I have the extra money, do I pay down? Um, you know, the mortgage or do I put extra in my, my Vanguard retirement account? And then you've got the added sort of debate that I would always have in my head that like, hey, as we recorded this in June 2019, the market is at an all-time high. And if it goes down, like it's going to do at some point, then I'm going to be kicking myself that I just put a, you know, a bunch of extra money in the market and I should have waited. Obviously, we both know you can't time the market. You can't really, you know, kick yourself over that. Um, but I go back and forth on it too. I can't, you know, my wife and I talk about it. Uh, we're not at the point as I'm building my business right now. We're not at the point where we have a lot of extra money to throw at it. But when we do, do we, you know, purely invest that in investment properties? Do we, um, you know, add enhancements to our own house, like things we've talked about, or do we, you know, aggressively pay off the mortgage? And and I don't know what we do. The compromise I have right now is I'm just paying a little bit extra, you know, equity or a principal down each month on the mortgage. But I haven't decided what to do either. Yeah, it's hard. And and yeah, even paying a couple hundred bucks extra a month is going to cut a bunch of years off the end of, of that amortization table. So yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe that's the answer for me. I don't know. I'm, as, as you can tell, I'm, I'm thinking through this on the fly. Right. Well, one thing I'll say, you know, cause I, like I said, I come from the, I have the MBA. Uh, I do all my own investing and in individual stocks and, and I'm lucky. My, my dad taught me a lot about that stuff growing up. And so I know a lot about the markets. And so I will, I came from the school of, Hey, if your mortgage is 4% and you think you're going to get 8% in the market, then you need to be investing in the market and paying your minimum on the mortgage, right? But as I've, you know, become really good friends with someone like Vincent Pugliese, you know, who wrote the book Freelance to Freedom, and they've paid off their mortgage and they're completely debt-free and traveling around the country. And he talks all the time about the peace of mind. You know, you mentioned the psychology. Um, I think people undervalue the psychological side of things that if, if having that weight lifted, makes it easier for you to live your life so you don't worry about paying a mortgage, that could be worth way more than that 4% difference, right? Yeah, totally agree. Totally Huge. agree. All right. Um, as we get to wrap up here, I want to get into some standard questions from the Choose Fi podcast. I don't have any cool music 
like <laughs> you guys do, but I do want to ask you a few of your regular questions, including what is your favorite blog that you're currently reading? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that is a, that's a really good question. I have been focusing much more on podcasts recently. So can I, uh, can I go with podcasts? Sure. What are your favorite podcasts? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I don't really read any blogs, to be honest. I only listen to podcasts. So what are your favorite podcasts? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I, um, I love Impact Theory with mm, uh, Tom Bilyeu. Tom Bilyeu, yeah. Yeah, huge, huge fan. I, I, I've just kind of how I talked about before with the recovering type A. And mm-hmm. I, I've just become so much more attuned to how important like a, a growth mindset is in life. And I mean, Tom, obviously, I don't know him, but, but I, I feel like I do. He's, he's helped my own personal development so much more. And what's cool is I'm now passing it on to my kids and seeing them internalize these lessons of what is a growth mindset. And yeah. uh, if you'll indulge me for about 30 seconds, I, I'll tell it. you this amazing story about my daughter, Anna. So, uh, 10-year-old girl, or at the time she was 10, she's just turned 11, but uh, she is a competitive swimmer. And, and she's, she's really solid at like the Virginia state level. I mean, she's 10 years old, right? So it, you know, in the cosmic scheme of things, this is not, not a big deal. But uh, she, that said, she goes to one of the best clubs in America. And in the lane next to her, there are four of like the top 30 or 40 swimmers in the whole country. And you know, her point is, at first it was, oh, I could never be like them. They're always going to be better than me. And upon hearing about this type of mindset of, of what do you have to do? It's, we, we kind of have hit on the phrase, the aggregation of marginal gains, just being 1% better you know, every day or every week or every month forward and just compounding those little differences in life. And now she talks about, she came up with this own phrase, her own phrase that she calls building a brick in her wall. Okay. Mm, this is like so that. powerful. Yeah. So it's every day at practice. She's not going to beat the girl who's number five in the country at the breaststroke for a 200 meter. Yeah. But she's as fast as her for 25 yards. What if the brick that day is to keep up with her for 50 yards? Mm. Right. And pretty soon you start building those bricks and you've got a wall where you're the best swimmer in Virginia five years from now. Right. Like, so it's just a cool cool mental reframe and like to see my own kids do this and and yeah so anyway the long that's the uh the long answer to your question which is yeah tom bilyeu has changed my life and my daughter's lives unquestionably i love that i've listened to this podcast a little bit uh i'm a big fan of the book mindset by dr carol dweck and absolutely changed my life um both on business and on parenting and i try to use that with how i talk to my kids too and and um you know i always try to praise effort over results and things like that. It actually had a difficult situation this last week with my daughter and her swim class because she's taking swimming. And um, her teacher said that uh, she was not going to recommend she move up to the next level. She needed to stay at this level. And she's five. And my daughter was devastated because she was just, she's so ambitious already. It's kind of crazy. She wanted to get to that next level. So we had to talk about like, hey, you know, it's about practicing and getting better all the time. Um, it's difficult. But I think, you know, as we continue to have those conversations, uh, we can instill that mindset, which I think makes for not only more progress, but a happier life, which is what it's all about, right? So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Nice. Uh, next question is, what's your favorite article of all time? Yeah. All right. So this, this I can hit on, even though I don't, I don't read too many blogs now, but the, the two that have changed my life in, in the financial independence world are uh, the shockingly simple math behind early retirement at Mr. Money Mustache's blog. This is like, the foundational piece of the financial independence 
movement, basically. Uh, just like I told you before, once it's so nebulous retirement until you see the numbers and you realize, okay, this makes sense. I have a goal. And mm -hmm. that was the aha moment for me. And then at uh, Jim Collins' site, which is actually jlcollinsnh.com, he has the stock series that he's subsequently turned into the book, The Simple Path to Wealth. And it just kind of made me realize how powerful low-cost index fund investing was. And, and that, so those were, those were two inflection points in my life without question. Very cool. Uh, Brad, what's your favorite life hack? Ooh, my favorite life hack. I've got, a, I've got a lot. I think the one that has changed my life so significantly is using a program called Todoist. So it's T-O-D-O-I-S-T. Uh, you know, in the cosmic scheme of things, it's just, it's just a to-do list, right? And you mm -hmm. wouldn't think that would be that revolutionary considering like all the things that have crossed my plate. But, but this has changed my life without, without question. I'll, I'll give a little explanation of how I use it. Like if you kind of like, I don't know, half-ass, let's say, like using something, it, yeah. it, it doesn't, it, something like this, it doesn't work. But what I've done is I've been so diligent about every single recurring task in my life I've gotten out of my brain and put into Todoist. So you can set up even something as simple as I know when my passports are going to expire, you know, Ooh. eight years from now. And I put it into, do, into Todoist and I never have to think about it again. Think about yeah. how liberating that is, Andy. So again, if, if you use it 100%, I'm not talking 90%, like if you can rely on it 100% and you can set up these recurring tasks, your whole life is out of your brain and onto Todoist and you can trust it. So that is how I've treated it. I know there are other similar tools. I'm not arguing that, that this particular one is better than any others, but man, it has changed everything for me. It's so funny you mentioned that because it's something that actually happened to me recently, uh, which was, uh, you know, traveling a lot as a consultant. I got the, um, the uh, global entry when it first came out in 2013, I think, and then paid no mind to it, you know, used it many times, got the TSA pre-check right when it first came out. It's been awesome for someone traveling all the time, uh, but it had a five-year expiration on it, which I didn't even think about. And uh, this past year, it expired on my birthday in March. And I didn't even realize it. And two, twice in a row, I showed up at the airport and I no longer had pre-check. And I was like, what is going on? So upset, so angry. I go back and like search through my email and finally found the notification and I had to go on and reapply. And luckily it only took about a month to get it renewed. Um, but I went a couple months without uh, TSA pre-check, which, you know, whatever, nice problem to have. But when you travel a lot as a consultant, you get used to it. It's oh. kind of annoying, but I totally could have prevented that if I you know, had set things up like that to know, hey, this is expiring soon, you need to go renew it versus being surprised by it after the fact. So I like yeah, that. Yeah, that's funny. And, and to put a bow on our travel rewards conversation from before, uh, there are a bunch of premium tra uh, travel credit cards that give you global entry and TSA pre-check for free. So uh, yes, I have the some... United uh, credit card, Visa, okay. whatever it is, I think from Chase. And nice. so I put it on that one because they reimbursed, they awesome. gave me that feedback. So yes, <laughs> yep. Uh, all right. The next question is, what's your biggest financial mistake? Yeah, this is the easiest answer for me. I was a complete moron in my uh, mid-20s. And this was at like the height of the real estate bubble, like back in 2005, I guess. And I thought I was investing in real estate. And I was, uh, I've subsequently learned I was speculating to the nth degree and bought these uh, undeveloped lots in like a golf uh, country club community in North Carolina. And 
man, if those things didn't just plummet like 90% (laughs) over the next couple of years and it has turned into like the biggest, I mean, beyond the biggest financial mistake in my life. But the cool thing is like, I still reach financial independence in that time. Yep. Right. And it it didn't hold me. Obviously, I don't like to think about the compounded uh, uh, extra amount of money that I would have if it wasn't for that. But, uh, you know, that didn't it didn't ruin me. But man, was it stupid. And, And it's taught me a lesson of don't speculate. You have to invest in in businesses. And I've finally gotten back into the rental real estate business and look at it as an act, putting my accountant's hat on and looking at it as a business as opposed to, oh, this thing is going to go up. $30,000 in the next year. Like that's speculation. Business yeah. is rental income minus rental expenses equal to profit, right? Like, yeah. and that's how I look at it now. So it's really, it, it has actually worked out okay in the grand scheme of things, but man, does that hurt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, and to achieve big goals and get the most out of life, we got to take some chances. We want them to be calculated risks, obviously, but the cool thing is you, you learn from this, right? And it didn't turn you away from investing in real estate later on. Uh, it didn't scar you for life. Like you're still willing to get back into it. You've learned some lessons and now you're, you're being more intelligent about it, right? Yeah. Uh, all right. So the last question on the list is uh, what would you give or what advice would you give your younger self? And I want to spin this a little bit to say, hey, I know you're turning 40 very soon, right? Yeah. What advice would you give to your 30-year-old self right now? Ooh, uh, that's a good one. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at 40 in about a week here, which is pretty wild. I, I would, I mean, it's easy to say everything's going to turn out okay, right? Like with the benefit of hindsight, but I would say I used to be a pretty, pretty introverted guy, kind of stayed in my own lane, didn't, didn't realize just how much it would enrich my life to make new friends and have a community and, and have, have people kind of like help me and me help them. Like I've become in a weird sense, like, like a, not a networker in the spammy sense at all, the exact opposite of that. But like, but I consider that like my network of friends and colleagues, like the best thing that I have going in my life. Like, I think it's probably where I like my biggest point of outperforming is, Mm -hmm. is my friends because I've looked for, I've looked for the right people. And I would tell myself, back in 30, when I was sitting in an office in Richmond, Virginia, kind of doing nothing is go outside your comfort zone and meet new people. Like you have hobbies, you have talents, you have things that you want to pursue, like go out and do it. You don't have to, you don't have to wait. It doesn't make any sense to wait. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I've honestly, that's a great pivot on that question because I don't think I've ever given that answer in that way, but, hmm. but yeah, I think that, that would be it. I like that. And, you know, there's the old adage, it might have been from Jim Rohn that your network is your net worth. And I think as we both get older, I'm a few months younger than you, um, we realize the important things in life and how business is done. You realize how important your network and relationships are. And uh, it just, it, it drives everything. And uh, I, the spin I got on that question actually was from my friend, John Apino, who's in my mastermind group with Vincent, uh, who, who told us recently, he's built a very successful business. Um, and is just turned 40 recently as well and said he always asks himself what when he's making a big decision or he's trying to decide what to do with his life or his business uh, what would my 50 year old self tell me to do right now so thinking to the future what are the things you're going to regret and not regret doing and it's also interesting to think about what advice you would give to your younger self Um, 
Um, so speaking of that, um, you talked about, you know, building your network and relationships. I see this as being so important. I know you have a huge community now, right, of, of resources, people coming to you that want to be a part of what you're doing. But what are your, your top ways that you build your network and, and build and invest in relationships today? Yeah, that is, that is a great question. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's, it's, it has become easier, right? Like, uh, but for, for many, it was conferences were a huge aspect of this. I think mm. you cannot, and, and I guess the real answer, the extension answer of that is in-person, face-to-face, yeah. or even face-to-face on Skype or something like that. Like, you cannot replace that yep. kind of one-on-one interaction. You just can't. Right. And it means even, even, and maybe especially in this day and age where we're, you can jot off an email or a, a message to someone in two seconds, like, that's all well and good. But man, you know, sitting over a beer, breaking bread with someone like yep. you can't, you can't replace that. You just can't. And like, you know, now I go to these, I go to conferences like FinCon, which is where I met Nick and mm-hmm. I don't even go, even though they're wonderful. Like I don't even go to this, the, uh, the learning the you sessions, know, right? session. Yeah. Thanks. I couldn't find the word there. Uh, any of those sessions, like, because I want to be out in the hallway yep. talking to people, you know, old friends and people that I'm just meeting that day. Like, like I just met Nick in FinCon and we became fast friends. Like, you know, we hopped in the car together to our choose if I meet up and like, you know, you can't replace that kind of stuff. Like, you know, Nick and I probably interacted a couple of times via email, but, but there, it's just so much deeper when you connect with someone in person. So I would say, even if you, and maybe again, especially if, you consider yourself an introvert or, or that's the story you've always told yourself. Like mm-hmm. that is the limiting belief that I always taught, that I always told myself was, Oh, I'm introverted. I'm this, I'm that. Like, I don't like those situations. I love them now. Like love, they light me up. They give me energy. And I would have deprived myself of that for the rest of my life because I had that story. And I don't know, honestly, Andy, where that story came from. I don't know if it came from when I was 10 years old and I had some, you know, I, I, I genuinely don't know. I can't recollect, but, but I've had that story for a very long time and I don't have it anymore. Mm. And that just makes me just so happy on like a deep level that, and, and I think that's a lot of limiting beliefs that we hold that like really muse on them for a while and think like, where did that come from? Is that true? Is that serving me? Right. Is that me anymore? And even if there's some shred of truth to it, like you're a human being and you can grow and change and get better. So why can't you work on it? Even if it, even if, like I said, even if there is a shred of truth to it, mm-hmm. okay, well, maybe find some instances where you go out of your comfort zone. There is great satisfaction and growth as a human being. Mm-hmm. And growth always happens in, in when we get out of our comfort zone and you know, what you're talking about with networking, true for many people who say they're introverted or they're shy and they can't go out and, and meet people at conferences, whatever, like you and I do. Uh, but I'm sure there are a lot of people listening or who get exposed to you and think, well, that's great that he uh, achieved financial independence by 35 because he's probably really good with money. He's a former tax consultant. Like I could never do that because I'm terrible with money. But that is a story that you're telling yourself based on your history, things that happened in the past, actions, but that doesn't define you and you can change that story in the future. It may require a lot of work. Maybe you have to start listening to the Choose FI podcast, reading blogs, reading books, talking to other people, like getting, you know, getting a budget, hiring a coach, 
Um, there's a lot of things you probably have to do to change that, but you've got to change your inner narrative first because otherwise none of those things are going to change. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, and yeah, just to kind of put a, a little kind of addition to like, how do you, how do you grow your network? Like, I, I, I think it's, to me, people can see through people who are being disingenuous or spammy from a mile away. It's how do you provide value to people? Like, how do you make a real connection with someone? Like, you're not going to make friends. If you walk into a room of 100 people, the world doesn't work the way that you're going to make 100 friends. Like, it just, like, that's not, at least that's not my experience. But man, if I walk away with two, three, four people that I'm going to, that yep. I'm going to follow up with and like really connect with. Yep. The benefits of that, especially when you do it over and over again and like, and people want to help, right? Like, like Vincent Puglisi has been amazing. So, you know, you yep. mentioned him, like he's just someone who genuinely wants to help, but mm-hmm. like you, you can just feel it in his bones. Like, yep. and same with your friend, Dominic, who I met through you, Dominic Cortuccio, who's been on your show a couple of times, been on this show, amazing guy who just wants to help everybody. Yeah. And you look for those type of people. You look for the right people, the people you want to spend time with, the people you want to be surrounded with and make real connections with them, you know? And that sometimes that takes following up with people. It takes, yeah. you know, shooting an email every now and again, Hey, let's jump on a call. Like, you right. know, but man, those relationships are worth it. And, and yeah, that is, that is the biggest thing I've learned just about life in the last five or 10 years. Oh, I love that so much. I mean, I am very big on networking and connections and relationships. And, and I love having a lot of friends. And I think I want to reiterate what you said there, that in a world, we're recording this in 2019, where it's very digital, you can connect with anyone anywhere at any time. It's easier than ever. Uh, I think personal in-person or face-to-face connections are more important than ever um, to cut through that. And so that's why, I mean, really like that's why I started my podcast is start having conversations with people face-to-face over Zoom. I mean, it's not as good as in-person. I also go to a lot of conferences, but when you reached out to me and said, hey, if you're looking for any guests on your podcast, I was, I didn't have to think about whether this would be, I knew it'd be valuable for the listeners, but this is an opportunity for, I've known about you for a while, be an opportunity for us to have a face-to-face conversation on Zoom and build our relationship. And hopefully we'll meet at a conference and be able to spend time together in person and get to know each other even better. And that's why I go to a lot of conferences. And for people listening, thinking about going to conferences, I'm sure you'll agree with this, Brad. Um, People ask me, you know, how do I decide what conferences to go to? Uh, Sometimes I look at the speakers and what I might learn. But the number one question I ask is what type of people will this conference attract? Because I'm probably going to be spending a lot of time at the networking events, in the hallway, talking to people, getting to know people. And I want to know what kind of people are going to be there. And if it's great people I want to know, I'm probably going to learn more from the other people there than the speakers anyway. Um, That's probably the conference I want to go to. Yeah, wholeheartedly agree. So the last question I wanted to ask you is, you know, things are going well. Um, The podcast has been growing. Where is all this going? And there's all these local meetups. When's the big Choose Fi conference going to happen? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. We don't have, uh, we do have a lot of plans. A, a big Choose Fi conference is, is not one of them at the moment. But yeah, I mean, we want to see this, this idea spread because we know it's one of those things that, that can change your life for the good so significantly in so many ways. And the beautiful thing is it doesn't cost anything. You know, we're not trying to sell anything. We're not spamming. It's, it is none of that. This is just win-win and it's creating honestly, and you know, and this might sound grandiose, but it's creating a better world. And 
man, when you talk about like word of mouth, like we, again, we grew from my mom and Jonathan's mom listening to, we are very nearly at a million downloads a month now. Holy and, moly. That's right? amazing. Like, for those listening, that's just a little bit more than this one. <laughs> I mean, that is a mind blowing number. Like I, I cannot believe I'm saying that. Like yeah, genuinely. Like economics numbers. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. And, and again, it's no home runs. It's no, we didn't spend $50,000 on Facebook ads. Not that that would do it anyway. It would take right. cost a whole lot more than that. Like, right. you know, this was just creating something that people can get excited about and doing it in a way that is centered around stories. Stories make the world go round. You know, my story is very different from my co-host Jonathan's, is very different from the hundred plus guests we've had. And people see themselves in stories. They see, oh, that person overcame that. Maybe I could overcome that same thing in my life. And I just find that so powerful. And that is the beautiful thing about Fi is like, it just spreads because it's fundamentally right about human nature. It's like, it is this fundamental right. And I, I just, I, I, I don't mean a fundamental right, like inalienable, right? But, but it's just true. When you see it, you almost, you can't unsee it. And I, again, I know that sounds grandiose to, to the listeners out there who are, are just learning about this for the first time, but, but take my word for it, jump into this and just, just make some positive changes in your life. It will change everything. And even if it starts from your living paycheck to paycheck, to have a couple thousand dollars in the bank. Your entire world is different when you have a couple thousand bucks in the bank. Don't think about financial independence. That's 15 years down the road. Think about getting that first $2,000 in the bank. And then if something breaks in your house, it's not this existential crisis where you have to put it on credit cards or borrow money from your family. You've got the money. How much less stress do you have if that happens, right? So that to me, this is for everybody. And, and I mean, honestly, that's where I see this going. I see it spreading. And, you know, we are doing our best. We've started a uh, not-for-profit foundation. We've had a group of uh, teachers and educators creating a FI curriculum for the last 18 months. And we're getting close to piloting it, actually, in a couple of schools uh, here and also in uh, the United Arab Emirates, actually, at an international school there. So, you know, this started as a little podcast in a spare bedroom in Richmond, Virginia, and it is, there, there's a real chance that it could impact the world. And I mean, to say that my mind is blown by that progress is, yep. is a, the understatement of the world. That's amazing. But you've got to give yourself that, that opportunity. You can't, you've got to be in the right mindset to accept that success and, and the impact that you can make. And I love what you're doing. Um, so for you listening to this, if you're not listening to Choose Fi, check it out, the Choose Fi, that's Choose F-I podcast. Um, Brad, any other links you want to give? Um, where do they go? Where do people go for the website and to find yeah. out any other resources? No, I appreciate it. So yeah, I mean, obviously, if you're listening to this, you've kind of got in the background, but, but I would still check out episode 100 first of the Choose FI podcast. And we also have a start page. So uh, just choosefi.com slash start. And you can get on our email list. You can get access to our Facebook group and those local groups that we talked about. So I think that's probably the, the best two ways to get started. Love it, Brad. Thanks so much for reaching out. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast and sharing some of your story and your experience and your wisdom. Uh, it's been awesome for me and I know it has been for our listeners as well. And uh, I will continue listening to you and following your journey and hopefully we'll get a chance to meet in person one day. But uh, for now, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Nice. Yeah, I greatly appreciate it. This was a blast. All right, take care.